Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 27. Don't be a social or any other sort of climber, outwardly. I have observed that game played even in the ashrams of saints. Absorb whatever virtues attract you in others, but never try to impress anybody. Move through life like a large ocean liner serenely passing through heavy seas. Be whole in yourself. If you see some quality in others that attracts you, invite it aboard as a passenger. Divine illumination will finally carry you beyond all human qualities. Seek only those traits which will assist you in your quest for inner freedom. Swamiji writes all of this from a point of such deep inner security. You know, the, just the ability to be so calmly at peace with yourself that just all the normal foibles of life that people just take for granted, get so involved in, make such a mess out of their lives trying to do, but that kind of ability can, is only possible when you've done something else first. I mean, Swami's working this from both sides. He's talking about outward behaviors that you can try to discipline in yourself because they're not really going to bring you. They're not living wisely and they're not living well. But in order to be successful at assuming those kinds of behaviors, you have to be in a deep, in deep peace with yourself. So, I, I mean, one of the things that happens when you start trying to live according to what Swami is suggesting here is it will, it will cause you to become aware, cause us to become aware of why it's so difficult to do. And, of course, that is one of the things that happens in sadhana. Um, I've been meditating for many decades now, and I, I have learned that sometimes what disturbs me in meditation is actually the reason for the meditation. I don't, I mean like that meditation. It's like when I try to silence my mind and simply concentrate, what prevents me from doing it, sometimes, not always, sometimes it's just completely trivial and just should be thrown overboard to use the ocean liner image. But sometimes it's something I'm not aware of because I've been distracted and I haven't noticed it. And when I actually try to become calm, a, a fear that I didn't know was there, or a resentment, or a longing, just something I wasn't aware of, begins to infiltrate my peace. Sometimes I know it should just be turned aside, but sometimes I realize it, it needs my attention. It's trying to get my attention. So when we start watching ourselves, according to all the different ways that Swami she has suggested here, you know, to being a social climber, to try to get other people to like us, to think we're important. Like, why am I doing this? 
And why do I find it hard not to try to impress others? Who am I inside or what do I lack inside that I imagine that the approval of these people or being seen in this light by others will suddenly give to me? It, it was very interesting. I had a particular experience with Swamiji, which, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you the, most of it, or I'll tell it in somewhat truncated form. It had to do with the fact that there's 20, 22 or 23 years difference in age, 22 years between Swamiji and me. And um, actually, it would have to be 21 <laughs> the years difference. Wait, let me think about that. 22. I can't do math. I can never do math. But whatever it is, it doesn't matter. More than 20 years. And he was very experienced at, at life because he'd had a much more expansive life than I have. I did. So when I was there at 24, he was already very, very knowledgeable in countless ways. And I worked closely with him for, well, for all of his life in one way or another. And in the early years, I, I was his secretary. I was with him all the time. And time passed, and I ended up in a, a position of leadership myself, and I had to work with other people. And all of a sudden, I was working with people who were 20 years or more younger than I, and where the gap of experience was not different than the gap of experience between Swamiji and me. And one of the characteristics of Swamiji that I realized really profoundly was that in all the years, he never referred to my age or inexperience. And I was quite forthcoming with my opinions, and many of my opinions were dopey, absolutely dopey. But he always dealt with them on their own terms, and he never, un he never spoke of my age or inexperience. It was always truth is truth, and we would figure out what it was. I appreciated that. I wasn't fully cognizant of it until I was in the position where I was 20 years young, older than someone, and some of their opinions were dopey. And there was a desire on my part to gain the upper hand by claiming age and experience. But of course I couldn't because Swamiji had never treated me that way. And because he never treated me that way, it enabled me to grow in a way that I never could have if he had put me down. So the next time I saw Swamiji, I really had come to appreciate this on a very deep level. I thanked him. Thank you, sir. I said, in all the years we worked together, you never once referred to my age or experience and, or lack of experience. And, that was, I really appreciate, that was a great gift. And he accepted the compliment, but I knew Swami well enough that I could feel there was something in his consciousness that wasn't being expressed, so I sort of waited for that to clarify. And then he said about my age, I never noticed, he said. He said, the age, the chronological age of the physical body is the most trivial consideration about a person. Once you take reincarnation into account, you know, the greatest sage could be four years old when you're, when you're 70, and they could still be more advanced spiritually than you are. Your body is older, but their consciousness is more evolved. You just can't tell. It means nothing at all. He said, I never noticed. Just like that. Age is the most trivial consideration. Now, see, what that told me was, whereas I thought Swami was behaving well, and I tried to behave well, Swami was not trying to behave well. This was Swami's perception of reality. It was who he is, who he was and who he is. And I mean, it wasn't that I was unaware of this by any means. I, I, I'd known it sooner, but it was so vividly expressed to me 
that we try to behave properly because when we have the right consciousness, that would be our spontaneous behavior. So we basically work at it from both sides. We work at it from disciplining ourselves and not allowing our wrong attitudes to corrupt our behavior and further reinforce bad thoughts and bad actions. But we also must work at it from the inner level of what inner aberration keeps compelling me toward this behavior. Now, there I am, you know, wanting to, to get the upper hand. No, not for the sake of power. I want to be fair to myself. That's not why. Because of a lack of patience. Simply that. And a greater concern for getting the project done than helping the person evolve. And one of Swamiji's dictums that we always followed at Ananda, people are more important than things. Do I really believe that? Is developing this person's confidence and wisdom and capability, is that, is that really the first priority? Or do I just want to get the project done? Ah, but people are more important than things. And that's how Swamiji always treated me. He thought first of what I needed in order to gradually grow into my potential, whatever, whatever that might be. His concern was always to develop my potential. That doesn't mean that he never was stern with me or that the project never had to be completed because sometimes what I needed was to do it rather than to be coddled in my, in my uh, foolishness. So it wasn't that he coddled me, but he always considered carefully because he wasn't compelled by his impatience. So I'm sitting there, I mean, imagining myself, why, why do I want to just say, what do you know? I know everything you don't. Because I was impatient. And I was loving myself and my convenience more than I was loving that person. So I could discipline myself, which was a better idea than just letting my faults run wild. But what I really wanted to do, what I really need to do, needed and, and concentrate on, is I needed to love that person more than I loved myself. Just love them for who they are, and in that love, attune myself to their soul nature, attune myself to the way Divine Mother loves them, and help them as she would help them. You know, Divine Mother, which is such a wonderful image, she helps the six-year-old become seven. She helps the uh, 59-year-old person become 60. She doesn't help the four-year-old become 26. There's no sense in it. We all have to move step by step by step. And, and we help people by understanding what their next step might be and, and move them. And I'm not talking about chronological age because that's specifically what Swami rejected. I'm just talking about personal development. And age, as Swami said, is a trivial consideration. What is this person's next step? What response from me would bring the best out of them. Now, I can't do that if I'm impatient. I can't do that if I'm worried about the project so much so that I'm not tuned into this person. And see, that's what Swami did. He'd trained his inner self to always be attuned to the highest potential in any situation. And it's important, and I'll say it again, he behaved with great common sense. I remember uh, this woman came to Swamiji once. She was working in the garden. And got, the garden was hard, hot work, especially in those early years in the summer. And she said, 
people, she said to Swamiji, I understand that people are more important than things. She said, but if the squash doesn't get harvested today and tomorrow, she said, it'll be past the point where it'll be useful for us to harvest it because sometimes in the garden, it's the moment. You know, zucchini can just grow out of hand overnight. Now it has to be harvested. So aren't there times when the project is more important than a person's ego? <laughs> and Swami said, yes, of course. He said, that is true. Sometimes what they're asking for should not be, is not in their best interest. But he said, but before you make the decision that what you're asking them, even if they don't want to do it, is more important than their feelings, you better be sure you can tell the difference between their ego and their welfare, which was just absolutely the perfect answer. Yes, it can be true, but uh, you have to know what you're doing before you can say for sure it's true. So Swamiji knew intuitively. And when sternness was required, he was as tuned in to the need for sternness as he was for gentleness. And it was easy to take reprimand from him, relatively speaking, because you always knew it was in your own best interest. You never felt, as one sometimes does, that uh, people were just um, expressing their own limitations in a pretended effort to help you. That would never happen with Swami. So, let's read this again. Don't be a social or any other kind of climber outwardly. I have observed that game played even in the ashrams of saints. Absorb whatever virtues attract you in others, but never try to impress anybody. Move through life like a large ocean liner, serenely passing through heavy seas. Be whole in yourself. If you see some quality in others that attracts you, invite it aboard as a passenger. Divine illumination will finally carry you beyond all human qualities. See only those traits which will assist you in your quest for inner freedom. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.